Okay, hello and welcome to Sonic Talk 35. Um, we're rapidly approaching 40, which, uh, as they say, life begins at 40. Maybe the podcast will begin at 40, although it has been pretty good so far. I don't know if you've noticed our new player. It's been, uh, it puts them all together in one long list and you can sort of jump around. It's quite fascinating just to see how tired and energised I am from week to week. But uh, this week we've got um, five people with us. Um, I've got in the studio Richard Evans. Hello. Hi, Richard. Uh, on the wire, we've got Mark Tinley back again. Hello. We missed you last week. Did we do okay without you? You did very well, yeah. Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> and uh, uh, John Musgrave back once again. Afternoon, everyone. Oh, yeah, you're, you're, you're sounding a lot clearer from a cold. John had a cold Thanks. last week. I've, I think I've caught your cold. I wonder if it's possible to catch a cold over Skype. <laughs> now, that would be viral, yeah, If it, if it is, too, they're it? in trouble. <laughs> and Dave Spears. Hello, Dave. How are you? I'm good, thank you. And you? Uh, yeah, I'm not too bad, thanks. So, um, Dave, I hear we were just sort of having a little preamble while we were trying to get everybody uh, hooked up and online at the same time. Dave has finally taken uh, uh, delivery of his uh, Metric Halo audio interface, which non-Eric is uh, always extolling, and managed to set that up. And how's that been going, Dave? What's, what's, the, what's the prognosis so far? Uh, it's been somewhat confusing. I took the desk out of the equation, so it just goes straight from the interface to the monitors. And then we started A-being the RME against the metric halo and one of the digiboxes. Uh, and the difference so far has been pretty amazing. But it's, I can't find any consistencies. So I've been, I was talking to a couple of guys today who suggested double-blind listening tests. So I think that's what we're going to do over the next week. How did you do Just that then? Uh, in fact, there's a website. Um, hang on a minute. I'm going to have to call up my email here. There's a, what, there's a website. Which interfaces are you testing? So you're testing the RME, what's the RME? Fireface? Yeah, the Fireface 800. Okay. And the Metric Halo, the mobile, the 2882. Yeah. Uh, and the Digi, uh, what's it, Mbox 2 Pro. Oh, that's the one which has got the six outs, is it? Yeah. Right. And, and they all, all have comparable price. Uh, the know. RME and the Metric Halo are. I think the Metric Halo comes in slightly more expensive than the RME. Um, and the Mbox Pro, um, I can't tell you how much that is because we get a deal on that and it's, it's not an one. exceptionally good deal. Hmm. We started off by having quite a clear picture. We were going, yep, yep, okay, the Metric Halo seems a kind of rounder, slightly more balanced sound to it. The RME seems a little more harsh in the kind of upper mids um, and a little bit more... It's not boxy, but just a little Smaller. bit more def defined in the bottom end. Right. And we were like, yep, yep, okay, that's a definite. And then we started going through different genres of music and then cross-referencing them. And on some tracks, there, were, there was almost no discernible difference. But then on other tracks, there was a huge discernible Ooh. difference. Ooh. So we left kind of being really, really confused. I emailed John, uh, our sort of genius dude, saying... And, and, you know, John Moses engineering inside out. So I was kind of like, you know, why the discernible difference? And he, his reply was quite interesting because he said, basically, if they do sound notably different, then one or more of them has got it wrong. And maybe something was wrong at the AD stage or maybe mixing, which might explain why some tracks sound better on a less correct D2A. Um, and also audio masking is a really complex thing. So tracks which are fairly similar on first listen might have different masking going on, resulting in different artifacts being audible. So, um, yeah, it's quite, quite intriguing at the minute. I was going to say, was it different for rave music to any other kind of music? But now you've answered that question. Well, it was really strange, because, you know, I know the Underworld stuff kind of inside out, 
and particularly I you know I know it from their studio as it were so I thought that would that would be a really good starting point but there were some tracks that were that would sound magnificent on the metric halo and then we'd put another track on and it wouldn't sound as magnificent but on the whole what's your sort of general impression the general impression is that the metric halo is the best is is like the mo- it, it, it just sounds more balanced the bass is smoother and richer and the highs are not as harsh, right? And I know that these atoms have a kind of the atom monitors have a tendency to accentuate the kind of upper end. Show off, slip that in. <laughs> well, it's just that kind of ribbon, you know that that whole ribbon technology. I think just makes that kind of end, you know, that, yeah. that side of things sparkle a little bit more. Which which atoms do you have? The P twenty two A's, not the small ones, but the kind of the bigger of the smaller ones. So, yeah, you know, I spoke to our genius number cruncher, John, and I, I sort of said, look, you know, I, I, I can't find any kind of real consistency here between them. So he suggested a double blind listening test, which is um, the ABX protocol. And you can get that on uh, www.pcabx.com. Right. And they say that's generally considered to be the gold standard. So I'm going to investigate that over the next week. So maybe next week I might have some um, more interesting results. Yeah. Because uh, we did a, a, a an A an A B test. I mean, it wasn't quite as thorough as yours, although it was for the purposes of review. So perhaps it should have been a little bit more thorough. But uh, we just, you know, our, I put that online. I think on Friday, which was the golf rap one, where we tested the Aurora sixteen, the Apogee Rosetta eight hundred, uh, and the uh, Presonus Digimax FS. And what did you think there? Uh, well, I thought the Aurora sounded just much better than everything else. And was it much more expensive? No, it's much cheaper. Ooh. Basically, it went like this. The PreSonus sounded okay, but not great. The Apogee sounded quite impressive, but not neutral. And mm. the uh, Lynx Aurora sounded great and totally neutral. I mean, we couldn't tell the difference between switching digital and analogue in a lot of cases i mean it wasn't very scientific but it was you know to work within those constraints and i should say um that you can go and see that if you just go to uh, sonicstate.com forward slash features it'll be in there somewhere yeah do keep us posted um because you know it's always nice to know what d2a's and a to d sound i was quite intrigued to see that uh, mac os uh rumors um rumor <laughs> the issue about um uh, vmware and, and parallels who make this uh, virtualization software uh, which I actually use, and I've just I've just installed the latest version of Parallels, which was a beta, because um, it had a few problems, and I use it on my MacBook Pro, and it's absolutely brilliant. It means that I can actually st- I boot into XP while Mac OS X is running, so I can still have my sort of software going and Skype and what have you, and I run um, Sony Vegas, which is a fairly hefty kind of digital or digital video editing program, and I edit this this podcast in it at the same time with Mac, and this is just on a MacBook Pro, so I'm basically running a whole um, door. And I'm still kind of running all the office stuff on the, at the same time. And it worked fine last week, and I edited the podcast that way. So this, this article is quite interesting. What they're saying is basically, um, because the new chips, these new Core Geo chips, have the ability to, um, to, to, to virtualize, which means you can run multiple operating systems on them, at the moment they just make guest operating systems, as in the guest operating system will be Linux or Windows or you know something other than the Mac. The Mac is the master OS. And apparently it would be perfectly conceivable for them to actually have the Mac OS as the guest system. So they could presumably be running on like a a Windows machine, a Windows-built machine like a Dell or whatever, 
and you'd be mm. running XP as your main system and have Mac OS as a guest. But they're choosing not to do it because um, they don't want to sort of spoil the special relationship they have with Apple, <laughs> which is kind of... Isn't that kind of quite similar to um, cartels, but in a sort of friendly kind of way? I feel a bit behind the times on this because I've yet to get a uh, Intel Mac, so I can't actually try any of these uh, parallel, like, parallels out, so I feel a bit behind the times. But I have to say, I mean, surely we're looking at a potential for the future where you can run any operating system on any machine, if they're both running on the same chips. With with the, the VMware and, and virtualization, you should be able to run multiple virtual machines on the same hardware and this is kind of um you know this is this is the way of the future and in in a lot of ways what it's going to result in is more efficiency more energy efficiency less need for manufacture so i mean it does have quite a massive bearing on you know ecological matters as well because it'll mean that we Mm. don't need to run quite as much stuff you know just in terms of it anyway i mean it's not going to change the world but it makes it certainly helps a little can I ask a quick question, which I ask for short answers? Because all of this stuff about running a PC, I've no idea why I'd want to run a PC, and I'm sick of some bloke in a suit pretending that PCs are really boring or whatever. But can anybody give me a short answer or give me a single app, which, which is a reason why I would want to run a PC within my Macintosh, in, in, given the job that I do? Fruity Loops. For me, it would be uh, CD Architect, which is um, CD mastering. Yeah. That's Dave, a good one. Have you got any um, any reasons why? Uh, Fruity Loops is a good good idea. Yep. Neat little thing. Uh, and also, you know, I mean, for us, it's pretty essential. <clears throat> I like less clutter the older I get. So I quite like the fact that, you know, we can test stuff in Acid and, and stuff, you know, on the Intel Mac and know that it's pretty reliable and stable, you know, when it goes out to PC users. For Richard, how about Giga Studio? The Giga Sampler thing. Yeah, I used to use that until, until EXS came up with the capability of being able to load the programs and uh, but no, and then I and then I stopped using it. But no. it doesn't count, it doesn't get all of the zone switching and the, all of that stuff, does yeah, it? Yeah, it does. Does it? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. And they've but they've just brought that for VST, haven't they? Giga Studio. Plug-in version. Yeah. yeah, plug-in version. One thing I'm jealous of with PC users though is their ability to uh, customize them and have all those multicolored fans and horns and lights and everything's bright pink <laughs> and flashing. Ah. I'm really jealous of that. Yes, well that's true. <laughs> Uh, like this what thing. do they call those things? They got that, are they um, like tricked out PCs? Well, it's a bit like this thing on your list today about the steampunk workshop. The steampunk keyboard. Well, well mentioned, though, Richard. Did anyone see that? The steampunk one? It's made of a. It looks like some sort of Corona, old Corona kind of ribbon typewriter from the 19, you know, late 1900s has been cobbled together on a, onto an old IBM keyboard, and it looks absolutely fantastic. And it, it just it strikes me, why aren't we able to get more custom keyboards that what, rather than ones that just look a bit like an iMac keyboard? Or if I could describe it, it looks a bit like the ones that they have in Brazil when they're working in the office, you know, the, the Terry Gilliam film, and they have these funny <laughs> kind of ancient, this kind of ancient, uh, ancient technology meets new technology. Which is exactly why I love it. In fact, that was my sentiment entirely. It just looks like something out of Brazil, which is well worth having it in my studio, just for that reason. Do you think it would be affordable? I mean, he, he had sort of quite... There's, there's a whole series of screenshots and what have you, and uh, a little YouTube video of it putting together, and it must... I mean, it looks like it's going to cost quite a lot of money to get one of those. Uh, he did it like you, you could make it yourself, didn't you? Apart from the machining of the kind of the nice ends and stuff, that might be a bit tricky. Mm. 
which were someone, very successful. Someone should send one to China, shouldn't they, and get the Chinese to copy Ooh, it. Good idea. <laughs> okay, well, that's I'd a... buy one of those. I'd buy one of those if I could. If you went through his site, you there were some various other pictures of like cases as well. He'd done the same thing to, to his tower case and covered it in dials and all sorts of. Nonsense. You want like a custom paint job, like customer shop. Yeah, well, they do that with NPCs, don't they? A lot of the hip-hop guys get their NPCs custom-painted. It's custom spray. There was someone on um, eBay doing iBooks. You could send your iBook off, and you gave this guy 300 bucks, and he stripped it apart and painted it pink and then put it all back together again. And uh, voided the warranty, presumably. (laughs) (laughs) I was asking Dave the other day if he could build a synthesizer made out of mahogany and brass, because I I don't want anything plastic anymore. I want something that's built to last, and and I want a musical instrument that I know I'm going to use for five years. And to go with that, I want shiny brass that's going to age in a beautiful way and mahogany that's still going to look as good in 15 years' time as it does today. Well, surely what you want is, I'm sure Moog have probably got some sort of Voyager special edition, special, special Bob Moog anniversary brass edition. Because <laughs> they do, they do, you know, you can choose what sort of wood end pads you've got and what colour LEDs you want. I mean, it's surely not that much, much of a leap to have them build you something custom, if you really want a Moog Voyager, that is. I've got a lathe in my garage. I could sort you out with the brass knobs. They're quite easy to make, actually. Wow, really? Because <laughs> yeah. how much would it cost more on a synthesizer to have it made out, made in this in a noble kind of way? Maybe Probably f- double it, I would imagine, at least. At least two or three pounds for every knob, probably. <laughs> That's all right. We're willing to pay that, Good I'd Lord. Say. Have you had a good PRS statement or something? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, I've got a good job in at the minute. Yeah. Bring it on. But yeah, let's have some more custom doodads. I, I, like, I really like the idea of this, and I'm sure this guy's going to be inundated with phone calls. And, and, you know, I can't imagine, unless he gets into some sort of mass production, how he's going to be able to kind of keep up with demand. But, I mean, you know, you can imagine executives everywhere wanting one of those on their desk next to the, uh, the little line of balls that you click-clack together. And where would it go, Richard? Because you use that touchscreen. I mean, you know, what would you do? Would you have to revert, revert back to mouse world. I'm worried. I think the, um, touch, the, the touch screen is coming, though, so the Wacom pad is on the way out because it wasn't uh, something mentioned somewhere about Apple talking about using their newly painted touch screen technology uh, as a front end for Logic. Oh. This is a rumour I read on the uh, oh. electric internet this week, the new Logic 8 or not. Is he, is he doing all the links this week? <laughs> it sounds like it. Are you trying to, you're trying to muscle in. Actually, I'll tell you what, next week you could do it yourself. <laughs> I just like point. Richard, Richard has just got this new job where he's got... How many, how, many, how many films have you got to write music for in the next kind of month? I've got four. Four. So he's in a in bit a, of a hurry this week. In a month? Oh, my God. We did send out a late, a late comer to the topic, which I can't actually get through to at the moment. The, their web server seems to be down, so I don't know whether they've had a cease and desist from Apple. But uh, the thrust of which was Logic 8's never coming. What they're actually doing is going to make a brand new application with new this, that, and the other that's going to be a real Pro Tools killer. At which point I hear Dave drop his coffee and think, oh, God, not another plug-in format. But I wonder if that's actually likely. You know, really? Is it Really? It wasn't it didn't it come from some XE Magic employees blog or something? Yeah, oh, did it really? Yeah, yeah, I think that's what gave it kind of, you know, legs as it were. Given I've got all this work at the minute, I've been looking for somebody to help me out that that is a Pro Tools operator and everybody I talk to saying, Why don't you do it in logic? Nobody uses Pro Tools. Everybody uses Logic, and I can't find a single person to come and work with me that does Pro Tools. And so what <laughs> what's the point of a Pro Tools killer if everybody uses Logic anyway? 
Well, that's just, that's just not <laughs> yeah, true, I don't though, know about is it? That. that doesn't sound true to me at all. What do you want them to use? What do you want them to edit on Pro Tools or program MIDI on Pro, Pro Tools? Programming MIDI. I think, to be honest, most people who program MIDI end up working in Logic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's the reality. Yeah. If you work in audio only and you want to record, then Pro Tools brilliant. Yeah, I mean, and also the, to be honest, you know, the latest revisions of Pro Tools, are, you know, the MIDI's getting fantastic. You know, getting much, much better. Well, I think so. But it's not. Yeah. It's not quite the same thing as the Logic. Thing. It's not that it isn't, isn't good. It is good, but it's just a very different operating process to programming in, in Logic, yeah. which is very similar to programming in Cubase, which is very similar to programming in Sonar. Um, Pro Tools isn't similar to any of those. No. I think all these things should be modules so that you can use the best bits out of all the best programs and put yeah. them into one big sort of higher level sort of, you know, Sequencer of love. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, it would be good, but it's, although it seems unlikely, particularly as Sonar um, runs on PC, then then you would actually need your virtualization just to be able to kind of access that. I mean, but I'm a, you know I'm a Logic user and I find Sonar you know I, I did have a go at it and it just I couldn't couldn't figure it out. But that's just because I just didn't have the time or inclination to spend you know hours and hours at it. But I'm sure you know it's it, it probably is very similar once you get get the hang of it. Yeah, it took me a long time. I changed from uh, from Logic to Cubase once. And it took me a really, really long time to figure out where all the menus were, Man, let alone the use the program. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It drove me nuts, and I had to, I had to use Cubase because I was working with somebody else who used it, and they wanted me to use it. And I kind of went, "Yeah, yeah, I can use it." Blah blah blah. And then I sat there with my bloody head pounding, going, "Like, where's this? Where's that? Oh God!" Um, but luckily, even though I didn't know where anything was, I could still use it faster than them, so they didn't seem to notice. And you, so. <laughs> you just managed to learn quick enough to be able to charge a day rate for yeah, it. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I'll tell you what, uh, I've just had a, a text from Hans, who's uh, very keen to come in on the logic thing, so I'm just going to go and get him. Hello. Hey, Hans, how are you doing? I'm fine. I think because uh, my information was that actually a, um, a Logic 8 manual has been written, and therefore... Um, I was pretty convinced that there would be a, an aid version. I suppose in terms of pure marketing, you know, and maybe if you just want to kind of cut one thing off and start something new, as we've all kind of discussed in the past, that maybe, you know, the rewrite is essentially such a sort of new application that why not make a new application? And then you can not support logic anymore and call it whatever. What I can't understand why anyone would want to change the name of a product which is successful, even if they rewrite it from scratch. I draw your attention to Snickers. It used to be Marathon. <laughs> And, uh, and Sif, oh, yeah, which used to be called, GIF, yeah. And, but it was and, called Snickers in Europe and America, wasn't uh, it? Ah, well, I see, yes. And also, what was the other one? There was uh, Raiders and Twix. We won we don't the Twix really... battle, but we lost the, Snickers, <laughs> we lost the marathon battle. <laughs> but I think we don't really need to, um, to uh, go so much off topic, because some of you guys will remember that there was a time there was Creator and Notator. Notator was such a big name that uh, C-Lab, choose to call the new program a total new program a new rewrite notator logic mm. and only in the course of years the the notator was eventually lost in the name and it became yeah, yeah. logic but it was a it was a transition so I this could be and then apple bought them <laughs> yeah maybe uh, they should call it i something yeah. i music i I producer. Oh, genius, <laughs> genius. I rock. Yeah, I tracks, I music, I gosh. I'm sick of it. I quit. <laughs> right. Does, does anybody know the comparative um, sales of Pro Tools to Logic? 
and whether there really is any reason for them to try and kill off the Pro Tools. Are they really a competitor of each other? Because I imagine that Logic probably sells quite a lot more than Pro Tools. I don't know, not with the M Audio thing I and mean, the bundles. I, no. mean, I would sure. think, I just know that uh, the DigiDesign is becoming more and more uh, aggressive and much more successful in that sort of... In the stores. Yeah, everywhere. Yeah, but the, the not, whole... only that, not only that, they've got really clever marketing in that they're marketing all those live desks and then tying their whole system into that. So basically, if you want to record a show, the only way that you're going to do that really is in Pro Tools with with the the venue desk and the icon desk and all the other stuff that they've got. Yeah, well, maybe so. Mm. Well, I, I don't want to dwell on this too long. I could go on forever on I this know, one. I know, I mm. know. It's, it's it's <laughs> um, and we, we often do, to be honest. About, um, and yeah. We are fairly Mac-centric on this. But uh, to be honest, I did actually try and find somebody, a music-making PC podcast participant, but I haven't actually managed to do it yet. So if anyone knows of anyone, we should perhaps get a bit of balance in once in a while. The new MN6 music production synthesizer. Codename. Minimo. The 61 note portable synthesizer with incredible sonic power based on motive tone generation, real-time audio control, USB connectivity, and computer integration. Bundled with QS LE audio and MIDI sequencing software. Create. Produce. Perform. With your affordable and M6 Music Production Synthesizer from www.mm6music.co.uk I'd just like to say thanks very much to our show sponsors Yamaha for um, having the vision to uh, get involved in a, a new venture and this newfangled media um, so help support us by clicking on those URLs <laughs> Did anyone see that gadgets um, that um, wooden speaker the tiny little wooden speaker that you plug into your mobile phone, and it's like a little cube thing. It's designed for teenagers to pester people on the bus with, isn't it? <laughs> I was just yeah, wondering whether it was a, a slight improvement. Maybe maybe the, the, they could have a selling point was slightly better bass response than your average kind of tinny, <laughs> tinny mobile phone, so you can get a little bit more kick in bass at the back of the bus. Dear Wood Speaker from Korea, it's 1.5 watts and runs on a rechargeable battery. The i... Oh, it's i.dear, sorry. i.dear Wood Speaker, and it sells for about 25 bucks. And there's some shots of it hooked up to a PSP and stuff. The Japanese have a whole different <laughs> culture around um, mobile phones anyway, don't they? They wear them like fashion accessories. So I can understand why it's got that little tag on it to hang it round your neck. Or, I lanyards. mean, the way my granny used to have this bracelet with loads of weird little things hanging off it. Whenever you meet Japan, or whenever I've been to Japan, the Japanese girls in the audience always have things hanging off them in in that remind me of those charm bracelets, but they're like mobile phones and gadgets and Tamagotchis and just weird stuff. So um, I can't see it appealing to anyone over here, really. The baby would probably eat it anyway. Yeah, well, it did look like a block of fudge, didn't it? <laughs> well, they should put a bit of brass on it, and they sell one to Richard. Yeah, they're Richard. You could have a pair of them, couldn't you? Could they be like Auratones? <laughs> you could just check them. So, you, so I mean, because we all used to check our mixes on Auratones and like boomboxes. Maybe we should start checking them on mobile phones now, and we could oh. use these, you know, as mobile phone sort of mix checkers. Because, I mean, Perfect let's face market. it, all our mixes, all our mixes are kind of, you know, going to end up that way as we keep going on about at length. But maybe we actually, there is time that somebody needs to bring out a kind of check your mix on a mobile phone kind of speaker. Oh, I agree with that. Definitely agree with that. I've been doing ringtones for Duran Duran this week, and I've been EQing them and sending them off to the management, and they've been sending them back saying it sounds really weird. And I've been trying what to explain to that it? I've, well, they're listening to it on a speaker's. 
oh, and right, I'm trying I thought, to explain. I thought the office hi-fi. Yeah, and I'm like going, but you've got to listen to it on a phone, otherwise it's not going to make any sense. Do you think there's like a phone ringtone mastering engineer like Bob Ludwig, <laughs> who's like, who's got all the work? And he's, the, he's the man who, you know, everybody goes, oh yeah, you want to talk to him? He did the Nokia, you know, he was, he did that Nokia ring. <laughs> Well, the, for the EQ curve you've got to use is very, very different and quite bizarre. I mean, there's some of the EQs that the phone's got built into it. If, if you plug the phone into a hi-fi, it would sound really weird. But they, well, they, they got, are, must like, have a load of brick wall stuff in it because, because of the aliasing and stuff, presumably. Curves on that. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> right, OK, well, I think we've... Uh... <laughs> on a similar vein, you said, what about the tiny cardboard synths? Would that appeal to you, Richard? You know, you could have a few on the, on the mantelpiece. No, I just thought they were silly. I, could, I just couldn't, couldn't see any worth in them, I'm afraid. They looked a bit... I suppose they looked sweet. But if they made a noise, I would have been impressed. But they didn't, did they? Yeah, well, they're about the size of a matchbox. So, I mean... Not that, even that with would a bit of brass impressive. on it. With brass, I would consider them, yeah. But apparently this chap makes them... Um, he makes them um, to order. So, if you want... You know, he can make you up a kind of... Inve- invent one or do a Moog mod- mu- modular or whatever. I have to say, I thought the modular marimba was particularly attractive design. Yeah, a couple of little sticks. Great. Excellent. Well, who could play them? Ants, maybe. I don't know. Bix.com. Online karaoke. What do you think? Is it the future of entertainment? Basically, there are people there with webcams who sing along to tracks, and they kind of have a head-to-head, and you kind of... It's like a sound clash, but karaoke sound clash, and it's video. It's just... It, it's, <laughs> it's hilarious, and they're just kind of various housewives and sort of regular people in from middle America and all over the place just kind of doing this stuff. You say sound clash, but my favourite thing about it was that you can actually play the videos at the same time. Did you notice that? You don't have to play them one at a time. You can switch them yeah. all on and start making them do all sorts of really weird stuff. Oh, fantastic. No, Are I you didn't gonna know that. You're going to try it now. <laughs> I, I, no, I, n- I never tried that one. No, I didn't stop the first one. I just started starting them all up to see what would happen, and they all, they all play. Well, I saw Madonna, I think. It was crazy for you. And... Um, I have to say, you know, they both did a fairly passable job of sounding to, like Madonna. I'm not sure whether that's a good thing, meaning that she's they were good singers or she's a rubbish singer. I'm not quite sure which uh, how you'd want to read that. But uh, Yeah, I think you mean that she's a rubbish singer. Uh, I wasn't going to say that. Well, I've said it then. Okay, well, that's your opinion and you're entitled to it. I happen to think her last couple of albums are great, but I suppose that doesn't mean that she's a good singer. It just means she's making, good at making records, I suppose. It's auto-tune. Yeah, well, I'm sure she's good at using that too. <laughs> you know, tools of the trade and all that. I've, I've not looked at Bix.com before. I didn't realise. I mean, it's not just karaoke on there, is there? There's all sorts of head-to-head contests. Uh, it's bonkers. SonicState.com <laughs> Canadian online music store Pure Tracks are stripping the DRM from 50,000 songs of its music catalogue, uh, uh, which means it's you know they'll be able to play them on any MP3 play- player, including the iPod. Um, they're no, you know, they're basically taken from well-known independent labels, you know, uh, and Artist Avril, Avril Lavigne, Bare Naked Lady, Sarah McLaughlin, and smaller labels as well. Um, so maybe you know, times they are changing because that was pretty fast for somebody to do something. That was good. That's great. Well, I'm glad I got that intro out off the chest. We can move on now. Um, but we, we were talking. We have talked to DRM at length, and perhaps we shouldn't go on about it. But you know, I suppose this is really a heads up that if you kind of want to get DRM free music, there that it is starting to be available out there. So um, it's definitely why it's going to go, isn't it? But it's just a matter of how quickly it's going to happen. I yes. Uh, well, that was pretty quick, I'd say. But I suppose we just have to see how well it does for them. So Pure Tracks Inc is the way to go. I sure. heard that EMI dropped their plans. 
for the DRM Free Music, and uh, the reason was they they couldn't get a deal uh, because uh, they asked for such a high advance to make up for the the risk of uh, delivering the music DRM free. EMI wanted a very high upfront. Somebody's going to jump, though, aren't they? They're just going to go, oh, we'll go, and then, you know, it'll pave the way and we'll see. Then we'll see that the, uh, on Engadget, um, which is like a technology blog, there's uh, the item for the, it's like a kind of plastic robotic hand that plays kind of various uh, piano pieces and sort of moves its fingers in synchronization with, I don't know whether actually if you put it on the piano it would play the, the piece properly. But uh, a robotic hand for 17 bucks. What do you think? Should we buy an army of them and take over the world? <laughs> Bargain. Apparently, Margaret Atwood, who was recently touring, because she did so many book signings, she invented a robotic hand called the long pen, so she can uh, attend book signings all over the world without actually having to leave the comfort of her own home. And she'll be signing recently via a video feed and a robo-hand which means basically she can stay at home and this thing will just sort of sign remotely for her so she doesn't have to go. <laughs> that, I wonder, is bonkers. that is I mean, but what a great idea. I mean, you know, she's, I don't know how old <laughs> Margaret Atwood is. She's probably not a young lady, but she may be. I'm sorry to you if you are, but maybe she doesn't, she can't be bothered to, to travel. That's a good way to spend your, the lolly you make from all the people who buy your books, even if you can't be bothered to meet them in person. You, you could apply the same thing to shaking hands with people, couldn't you? You could have your robot hand in a foreign country and you could be on a video link. That's true. So, in fact, what we actually... Do you think we're going to get Macs that have got built-in cameras, but also this little thing that comes out of the keyboard is like a hand that you can shake? I want a moisture detector on mine, so that, so that when I shake hands with somebody who's got a damp hand, it tells me. <laughs> that, that reminds me of... I was watching some... I think it was uh, E! TV, which is one of those uh, gossip mag kind of programmes that uh, Jane was watching at the Oscar time. And it's quite funny, actually. I have to say the presenters are quite good. They pitch it quite well. And there's the goodie bag, which you get when you're going to the Oscars. And one of them is this, um, it's like the stuff you get in hospitals, which you rub on your hands, you know, to, to disinfect your hands, because they have to shake so many hands when they're going down the red carpet and meet people. They spray this stuff on and, and sort of rub it so that they don't get, um, these, these poor stars don't get infected. Does it play piano or does it just wiggle its fingers Well, this about? is what we wondered. No, it stands there. It's kind of like Thing, only it's sort of on its severed end. So its mm. fingers are in the air. And it apparently just kind of goes, do 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 do. Yeah, I'm gesturing this to, uh, to to Richard. Obviously, this is not going to look good on radio, but <laughs> I'm holding my hand and I'm kind of moving them in time with the the notes I'm I'm uh, mumbling. I think that's what it does. Because the one thing they've missed, there should be a video for this. Because then we'd all know. But maybe if there was a video, we wouldn't be talking about it because we'd all know that it was in fact rubbish. Eighteen ninety yeah. five's worth. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose seventy nine or whatever it is. 16, Sixteen sorry. $17 worth of robotic hand aren't going to make you the Terminator, are they, really? <laughs> <laughs> it turns out that Display Eater, a screen capture application for Mac OS X, will delete your home folder if it thinks you're running it with a pirated serial number. I mean, I'd like to make sure... I, obviously, you'd want a lot of are-you-sures in there before this happens, don't you? Because if it gets it wrong, the Display Eater's developer thinks his approach is perfectly reasonable and has threatened to take his toys and go home if people don't stop pirating his application. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, a, bit, a bit over the top, maybe? Or? I think, um, I think he's within his rights to do it, as long as, as, long as he, uh, warns everybody in advance. I do know somebody who, um, put out, um, fake VSTs of their, you know, fake versions of their own plugins on certain, um, news groups that actually, when it downloaded and you clicked on it to open it, it just blasted you with white noise for a couple of hours. <laughs> and I did think that was quite clever. 
obviously less damaging than this in the long run. But um, um, what I've read in in his remark on his website is that it was all a scam that he just wanted to scare people so that he wouldn't have to spend more time developing um, copy protection, and that he is now offering he's he's plans to open uh, to to give the program away for free as an as a um, as compensation for his rude um, attacks. Oh dear. That's so a bit all wrong PR. Then, isn't it? So yeah, but it's all PR. But what sort of PR is it? It's kind of bad PR, isn't it? It's kind mm. of Absolutely. It's a bit like opening a restaurant and telling everybody you're gonna poison them, isn't it? And then sort of go, No, come back. Actually I just wanted to come in. The food's fine, really. <laughs> yes. Perhaps it might have backfired, but as you know, I suppose there's ways and means of getting PR. Maybe he's gonna um, launch something else. I don't know. SonicState.com. In the infamous ZTT Cockney rhyming slang book, shall we call it a King Sonny? Oh, that's yeah, King Sonny nice. a day, and uh, I can't remember the name of the band, so call it a day. Um, thanks, everyone, for, for coming along. This rather sort of disjointed. We've had lots of connection problems today, so when, when the edit's finally done, it might not be as beautifully smooth and, uh, and, and wonderful as it usually is, just because there's been all sorts of connection issues and, uh, and various different hardware failures and what have you. Um, thank you ever so much for joining us. Thank you, thank you from Berlin, uh, finally, non-Eric. Bye-bye. And uh, I would just like to say musotalk.de for all your German podcast needs. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, John Musgrave, thank you for joining us. Cheers, everyone. And Dave Spears, thank you. Thank you very much. And Mark Tinley. Bye-bye. Thank Cheers. You. Thank you very much. Cheers, everybody. Okay, folks, uh, thanks a lot uh, for coming in. Oh, and Richard Evans, of course. Uh, oh, I almost forgot, and he's sitting right yeah, opposite whatever. me. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> 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 okay, that's about it for this week. I'd just like to say uh, episode two of our Top 20 Greatest Hints went live today. Um, please do visit. It's uh, it's going out every two weeks. Um, next one is two weeks from now, so that'll be, what, the 14th of March. Um, today's episode can be found at sonicstate.com top 20 that's t-o-p 20 and please do go and take a look and of course please do call us uh, we'd love to have your feedback always as ever um, we've got a Skype account which you can just contact us on which is Sonic Talk uh, and if you want to ring us uh, we've also got a couple of Skype in numbers one's in the US so if you're in the US dial 312-376-8089 obviously if you're outside the US dial your international code which is plus one 312-376-0089 uh, also uh, we've got a UK number which is a London number so 020-7870-8616 and if you're outside the UK that's plus four four two zero seven eight seven zero eight six one six. or good old fashioned email sonictalk at sonicstate.com you can send us mp3 comments there as well whatever we We'd love to hear from you. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Sonic. Statesman. Lots of